All right, and welcome everybody to this session of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. I am Andy Little. I'm your Emo Over Easy host for this session. I'm going to be joined today by some awesome people, but just so I don't screw up how we pronounce their names, we're going to let them do that themselves. But we will start with our one and only Jeff Comp. Jeff, how are you? Oh, oh, perfect. My name is Jeff Comp. I'm one of the APDs down in Phoenix, Arizona at the Creighton Phoenix Emergency Medicine Residency at Valley West Health Hospital. How many more names does your program have, Jeff? I actually truncated it. I've been getting much, much better. We have at least 15, 16 words in our entire ARIS profile. So I have to be much more concise when I talk about it because it's not a great acronym either. Um, I'm Minal Sharkey. I am one of the assistant program directors over at Doctors Hospital and serve as the clerkship director over there as well. I don't have, we don't have like a, a med school affiliated with us, but we have pretty close allegiance with Ohio University. They have a campus not too far from us, so we get a lot of their students, but we've also got students from kind of all over pre-pandemic. And I'm Kristen Milcrane. I am a newly graduated, not a medical student anymore, but two weeks ago I was, so, and I'll be an incoming intern in emergency medicine this summer. So for this conversation, we're going to break down this idea of it's the first day of your EM audition and how to start from there. So I'm going to turn it over to Minnell because Minnell is going to lead this discussion. And I'm just going to sit back and I will ask questions if I feel like they need to be asked. But otherwise, you guys just take it away. All right. So like Andy said, first day of your EM audition, you've come in, you've done your orientation, you are heading out that door to enter in the emergency department and you notice this very shiny lamp and your interest just immediately goes to that and you rub it and an emer- a clerkship director genie is has appeared now in front of your very eyes and you can ask them three questions related to your clerkship that you're just about to start. What do you ask them? Ugh. That's a good, I wish this would have happened to me before I went to my audition rotation this past year. I think probably the biggest question that I would ask is how do I make a really good lasting impression on the residents and attendings that I'm going to work with for the next four weeks when they have so many students coming through during an auditioning season? How do you kind of make that lasting impression? Absolutely. And and you definitely want to stand out for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. (laughs) Yeah, that's super important, right? How do you make sure that you're growing and learning, but also not kind of sticking your foot in it? And that's hard, right? Because it's an impossible task. We say that we want you to be nice and friendly, but not like super overbearing. We want you to be like smart and confident, but then you also can't be like too cocky or showy. Um, It's really hard. I think to be able to say, what are some things that you can do? Really all focus on, I guess, like leadership and professionalism. And, you know, both... Dr. Sharkey and Dr. Little and myself were all in residency leadership. And I think, unfortunately, I'm going to start off with a negative. You have to be respectful to everyone. And I know that this is a kind of silly thing to really talk about, because if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already self-selected yourself to not have to be told this stuff, but you should be always thinking that anyone you interact with at the hospital has some sort of decision-making capability about you being at that program. Anyone from the guy who opens up the gate when you drive in the car all the way to your program director, right? You know, most emergency medicine residencies are looking to build up a family. As you go through your application process, you're going to hear everyone saying that. And if during your time where you should be the best version of yourself, you are being hard on nurses, you're being snippy with the clerkship director, you're 
behaving inappropriately with residents or other attendings, that's really going to get back real fast in a real bad way. So I feel the same way. So there are three things that I think most students ask me. How can I have an amazing rotation? How can I get a lot of people having a good impression of me? And what shouldn't I do? Those are the three ones that I, I normally hear. And I think the, the one that I really like to answer, the, the one that is more individualized is the how do I get the most out of each rotation? Because each student is their own learner. They each come in with different skill sets, different gauges of where their knowledge is. So I think to get the most out of the rotation as a generalization for this podcast, basically, is just to say that audition season is coming up. And you're if you're listening to this now, you've got enough time to kind of prepare yourself for that. Just like Jeff was saying that you're going to put on that kindness hat on to everybody that you encounter. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're familiar with the program that you're rotating at. Is it a three-year program? Is it a four-year program? Who's the faculty leadership? Who are the chief residents? What's the kind of generalized didactic schedules? What is their culture like? And some of that can be gleaned off of Twitter and Instagram and some of the stuff that they give you before, but I can't tell you how helpful it is to have students come in and already have some sense of who you are. I think when you come in knowing a little bit about the program already, one, you feel a little more prepared and you don't, you might not feel as nervous about going to a hospital you've never been to or working with people that you're not used to working with compared to your home site. But I also think that it kind of shows that you're already invested in that program, which I think already puts you off on a really good start with everyone as opposed to coming in and not knowing anything about the program that you're at. So much stuff can be found from the website or also just asking to speak with a resident before you go. Most programs will have a lot of really interested residents that want to talk about the program and want to reach out to medical students. So if you're rotating, ask to talk with them and say, hey, what are some of the things that you like about the program? What are some of the things that you don't really like about the program? And then you can start to make some of your own decisions as you're there rotating. That also gives you a bit of a foot in the door when you're looking to have some connections with some of the residents. Kristen, were there any specific resources that you really liked or used that you think might be helpful for any med students that are looking to find something to start with when they're doing their clerkships? Yeah, definitely. I was definitely a big proponent of a podcast called EM Clerkship, and it's great for third and fourth years before you start your EM rotation. It really, they're short 10 to 15 minute episodes about like big topics, kind of the bread and butter topics, just going through what they might present as the plan and what you might order and how to present those patients and kind of the treatment options. And I think that it was really good to be able to listen to those while you're walking out to your car or driving to the hospital or taking a walk around your neighborhood or anything like that. And I think I'm a person that takes a lot of notes to help me remember things. So just listening to those 10 minute podcasts and taking a few quick notes and then being able to look back at them in the months prior to my emergency medicine rotation. And then I also read a book that was just emergency medicine case files that was a similar kind of bread and butter resource where it would give you a long patient presentation and then ask you kind of questions throughout and you could think about the questions and think about what you might order before it kind of walks you through the case afterwards. So I think it's good to kind of get your mind thinking on your own rather than just reading through something where it's just automatically kind of giving you the steps and it kind of gets you starting into that mindset of thinking what would I do as opposed to waiting for the resident or the attending to tell you what they would do. So I think it kind of flips the switch of being a passive medical student to a more active auditioning student and really kind of 
adding an extra level to who you are in the emergency department on those audition rotations. You know, we've kind of talked about building up to the audition. And just like Kristen said, listening to some of that stuff that you've listened to, like heard about on shift, and then going back and doing kind of that deeper dive. I I tell my students to keep like two post-it notes on their desk while they're doing their shift. On one, write down the topics that you learned about that day so that it you, you show some reflection like, oh, hey, I did actually learn about like five or six different things. And then on the second post-it, write th- just three topics that you want to deeper dive into because we're not expecting you to go home and study for 10 hours if you've only got another 24 before your next shift. Like that's unreasonable. But to have just three focused topics where you can do a, a little bit of that deep dive, whether that's going back on that EM case files chapter or on that podcast. So you can really lay that foundation down so that the next time that you're asked, you have all those answers. And so I think that is a great way to have that audition help you as a learner get better. Because really that's the overall goal, right? You want to start at right here, but you want to end way higher in terms of your knowledge content, your presentation skills, your interpersonal skills, all that stuff. And so that's that constant ongoing investment as the audition unfolds. What a great point to say, yeah, you're auditioning to try to get a place there, but also this should be an opportunity for you to learn emergency medicine. For one reason or another, you may not end up at that residency, but if you can really focus on, hey, this is how I'm going to learn and grow and develop to be a much better physician, then you're going to be able to take those lessons with you as you go to your ultimate match site. This is segues really nicely into the next question, like how can I make a really good impression on this audition that I have? And I don't know about you, Jeff, but like you can really tell easily if somebody's asking you a question just so that they can look good versus they're asking you a question so that they can learn. And it's so easy to tell that when you're on the other side. And that's something that I write frequently in my slows and letters of recommendations. Came in with average medical knowledge, but were able to invest a lot in their own educational opportunities and ended the rotation above their peers with knowledge or whatever skill it was that they were talking about. It's definitely a great way to to show us on the other side of things that you are a person that takes that feedback and invests in yourself and shows that growth mindset. And it's very easy to tell, I think, over the month who has gotten better and who has not. <laughs> or who's able to to internalize the guidance for learning, right? Who's able to be able to say, oh yeah, I listened to that podcast and I, I heard Dr. Sharkey say, oh wow, I should write some things down versus those that sort of say, yeah, I just went and sort of like coasted my way through. You can very much tell because they'll be the, the same teaching points will come up right? The same teaching points of, oh, hey, we had a chest pain just like we had last week. Let's like, what was our differential then? Or how can we expand on it? And it's kind of like this deer in the headlights. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's not a great look. No, it's not. And it's, we're not expecting you to have all the answers. We know that medical students are not going to have the answers. But if you can show us that every time we ask you this question, you get a little bit more depth in your answers, that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for people that can kind of, if you're giving a presentation and your resident or your attending asks afterwards, do you have any questions about this patient? And sometimes people aren't like great at coming up with questions like right on the, on the spot, or they haven't had time to kind of process like what they don't understand about the 
patient that they just saw. And I think sometimes people feel nervous saying like, no, I don't have any questions because you're fearful that you're going to come across as like thinking that you know everything or being kind of uninvested in your education. But I think there's something to be said for kind of taking some time to sit with that patient and then come back later to your resident or attending with a very thoughtful question and say, hey, you know, when you have a second, could I ask you a question about this patient that we saw an hour ago? I realized that I wasn't understanding this and I'd like to talk to you about it when you have a second. And I think that that goes a lot further than just trying to come up with a question on the spot just because they ask you if you have any questions. That's such a great tip to be able to say, hey, that's a really great question. I'd love to learn more from this patient, but I'd like to sort of unpack it a little bit until I can actually ask a good question about the case or how it unfolded. Like that's totally acceptable. And that would show me so much more that you're interested in learning from the case rather than saying, oh yeah, so the, whatever, I'm trying to make up something on the spot. Something that's <laughs> it's just working, like, Jeff, absolutely, it's working. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm crashing and burning. Something that's just completely irrelevant about the case because then the learning is lost there. So you can always go back and say, I'd like to talk about that case again. Yeah. And just like you said, after the shift is totally fine. I'm not going to forget you ever existed after the shift is done. If it means that you needed another day to look at the content and just become familiar with it until you could pose a a question that makes sense, I'm happy to answer that on my off time, even if it meant the next day, the next few days. Totally okay. And, And here's a little secret just about a snapshot into most of our psyches in education. If you come up to me and say, hey, we worked together two days ago. We had that really challenging aortic dissection patient. I've really been thinking about it and I read up a little bit. Could we spend a little bit more time talking? That's going to be a second time that I interact with you and it's going to make me remember you even more. Kind of on that note, which I know this is like a little nitpicky, but to make a really good impression, just being on time goes such a long way. I cannot tell you how low-lying fruit this is and how difficult it is for so many people. (laughs) Just to be there 10 minutes before so that you can get your workstation set up, so that you can start looking at the board, seeing what the pulses of the department at that moment, that just goes such a long way to show me that you're showing up ready to like tackle this shift head on. And sometimes it helps me like lift my spirits too, because I can see your enthusiasm and that enthusiasm can be infectious. (laughs) Very much so. Your start time on your schedule should be when you are ready to pick up your first patient. So if it means, hey, I need to get there a little bit early because I'm a person, I need to have my water bottle. I need to have my little coffee cup. I need to have all my little things at my station all kind of like ready to go. And then some of you that know me know I'm a little bit chatty. So I have to like go say hi to everyone and like get myself set up and and prep to actually see patients. So I end up getting in a little bit early. So I can do that stuff that really sets me up for success. So when my shift starts, I'm going and I'm seeing patients right away. So specifically early is on time on your clerkships. And another one is reading after shift, right? I really try to say, hey, there was one case that we worked together with that was really great. I'd like for you to read up a little bit. And then the next day, I want you to grab me and we're going to talk about it. And if I have to come back and say, hey, we talked about that interesting case. And you say, oh, I wasn't really quite able to read it. I mean, things happen. It's fine. But there should be a really good reason, right? I mean, if one of the attendings, if one of the residents says, hey, I've got a paper for you to read, that should be your learning point that you go through that day. And I feel like that not only allows you to make that good impression with the residents and the attendings that you're working with, but also it's like kind of twofold of how you get a lot out of that rotation. Because even if you just spend 10, 15 minutes reading about one or two topics, and at the end of that rotation, you've learned 30 to 60 new things that you're able to take with you um, onto your next rotation or to your next audition that are going to stick with you a lot 
easier since you were the one seeing that patient. And obviously I think things stick a lot easier when you're the one experiencing them. So I think that's like a good way to get both of those things out of a rotation. I feel like deliberate practice is something that I didn't quite understand when I was a medical student. Are you big into this, Jeff? <laughs> oh, man. When my residents listen to this, they're going to say, Jeff's talking about visualization again. Okay, so when I was a student, I was just like showing up for my shift. I'd take a couple topics away. I would read about stuff at home. But then it was like the next shift, I'd show up and rinse and repeat, do it again. So what I've tried to do as the clerkship director is do a little bit of deliberate practice. So halfway through, we meet and we go over evaluations, how the rotation is going, and we set two goals that the students are going to work on. And sometimes I set the goals for them based on like learner needs that I see that they may not have awareness to or based on their evaluations. But if there's nothing glaring and it's something that they want to work on, like I feel like I'm not really good at EKGs, fine, that'll be a goal. And then I'll send them, you know, a little paragraph of resources and tips and tricks that, you know, have accumulated over the years. And so then the second half of the rotation, it's expected that they start their shift with saying, hey, I'm going to be looking at EKGs today. So every EKG, do you mind if I take a look at it and give you my assessment and you can tell me if I'm right on or if I'm way off? Or even like, I'm going to be presenting without my notes today for the shift. Can you give me some feedback on my presentation? So that your resident knows what your challenge is going to be for the day. So that if you fumble, they know why. But also they can give you some directed feedback. So I'm a big fan of that. But if you don't have that presence, that you can't set those goals for yourself as well. Yes. Do it yourself. Yes. I I feel like they get a lot more out of it. And as a student, you will end the the rotation with tangible skill sets that you can see on paper. Like I did get better at EKGs or I did learn how to present without my notes or I did figure out a way to redirect a chatty patient. So there are a lot of awesome goals that you can set for yourself and to be just mindful of setting them. And I think halfway is a good point because you've got your bearings, you've got your You've got your feet wet a little bit. Maybe you're feeling a bit more comfortable. So halfway is a good time to reflect and be like, what am I going to get out for the second half of this rotation? I really like that. I haven't done that in the rotation. I do it just during shift. I ask if there's something that they're interested in working on. And then I say, hey, I've noticed this. How about we work on this? But I really like the idea of saying, hey, so longitudinally, you're halfway through. What do you want to do? How can I help you learn? I think that's really cool. I'm going to start doing that. I think something else that I'd really like to talk about is patient follow through. When we talk about how to rock a rotation. And I think this goes to how emergency medicine is different from other specialties, right? Within some of our other incredible colleagues' specialties, the medical student role is to provide a beautiful history, physical assessment and plan without really discussion a lot about disposition or what's going to happen in a patient's flow when we get new pieces of information back, which is just totally opposed to what we do in the ER, right? So one way that people can really excel and when I can tell I'm working with a student that's been on a lot of inpatient clerkships is when we get that red upper quadrant ultrasound back, when we get our labs back and I say, hey, all right, here are our labs. What's our next step? There's a little bit of a pause. So Really focusing on being able to say, hey, I want to have a a great EM presentation, but I also want to make sure that I'm following up with the labs and the imaging. Because if I have a med student that comes back to me and says, hey, Jeff, I just saw our patient with a radical quadrant abdominal pain. I looked at the ultrasound. It looks like she has cholecystitis. 
I went and saw her. She's still in a little bit of discomfort. I'd like to give her some more medicine for pain and nausea. And I think we should consider talking to surgery. I'm going to fall off my chair. <laughs> I'm amazed. And again, just like Dr. Sharkey is saying, and even if your plan is wrong, uh, I mean, not like grossly wrong, because that allows me to say, this is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. But you've already demonstrated to me that you are interested in learning and growing because you put forth the effort to come to me with the new information. Yes. Like if you're so paralyzed by getting the wrong answer that you won't offer up any answer, then I don't know where the dots aren't making sense for you. But if you give me a plan, even if it's completely wrong, it at least gives me some insight as to, okay, this portion of the knowledge gap is where the problem is, or this patient presentation isn't fitting with what you're saying because of X, Y, and Z. And we can talk about that. And I love that. I would rather you give me a wrong answer every time rather than give me a blank stare every time. Yes. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And that's like the role of the medical student, right? Like you're not expected to have all the answers. That's why we do residency. I mean, that's why we always keep harping on lifelong learner. Like I don't have all the answers all the time either. So the fact that you don't know is not a bad thing, I promise. And kind of that lends into like, if you didn't ask something in the room, it's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll be willing to go check rather than making something up or inferring. Yeah. I think that being a medical student and medical school is like the perfect time because it's the only time that you can just freely be wrong for whatever answer you get. It can be wrong. And for the most part, no one's going to really fault you too much because that's what you're there to do. You're there to learn. And so you guys were mentioning that most people just appreciate you trying rather than just kind of remaining in a passive role and just saying, I don't know, because you don't want to take the time to kind of try to think of what an appropriate answer might be to the question. It's always better to just take a stab at it. And then you have a great learning opportunity. Well, the last question we asked the genie, what shouldn't I do (laughs) on this rotation? What will impede my success? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is having the attitude of there's nothing for me to learn here. Being an unteachable student is, I think, a really big red flag when you're on rotations because you mentioned previously medicine is a lifelong learning career and especially emergency medicine is such a team-based specialty that if you're coming off with the attitude of there's nothing that anybody here can teach me, whether it be the nurse or the tech or the resident or the attending, there's always going to be someone in the department that has something to teach you. And I think that not having that that kind of attitude is really going to hurt you on your rotations. Absolutely. If it feels like there's nothing I can teach you and you're giving me vibes that you already know everything, then I may not spend that extra effort to really bridge that knowledge gap that I can definitely see, but don't want to approach. (laughs) I I think you just put everything into the perfect capsule summary. Be teachable and be a sponge. Maybe you've been there long enough to realize through your rotation that, hey, this isn't going to be the place for me. Making sure that you are continuing to identify ways that you can still learn and progress because if you lose visible interest, it's one, going to torpedo you in that rotation. But if this is an audition or you're getting a slow from it, it may end up showing up on your slow. So that program that you do love that you are interested in going to is going to see, hey, this person, they came in with flying colors. We really enjoyed it. And something happened and they really lost interest. So as sort of frustrating as it is, even if you recognize that this isn't going to be the place for you, find that thing that you're still going to learn and just fake it if nothing else. Definitely. 
I totally agree with that. Be aware that you're not the only one who is a learner in this environment. There are other learners as well. And just to be respectful of that role, to make sure that you're you know, picking up on cues as to when is a good time to ask a question, when is a good time to go into more in-depth discussion, so that you're giving them room to, to also carry out their own objectives for their education. I think that's fantastic. And that's totally true, right? As a resident, depending on the program you're at, it could be pretty early on learners as residents that are working with medical students. And they're still trying to, even though they have more experience, they're still trying to figure out how to be a physician in this arena too. So understanding what are some of the ways that I can be helpful. And what are the times when I just sort of need to say, it looks like uh, Jeff is just about to melt down. So I'm going to go ahead and go sit with that patient over there for a little bit. <laughs> so Kristen, Minnell, Jeff, if you could walk me through and each give me a take-home point for a listener, what would you want them to know or to remember? I think I would just have to say that not don't be scared to put yourself out there on your auditioning rotations and don't be afraid to take a stab at it, get it wrong. As long as you're being teachable along the way and you're open to learning, it's going to be hard for you to end up with a bad grade or a bad slow at the end of that rotation. Yeah. And I would really want the students to walk away with that deliberate practice, making sure that you're holding yourself accountable and giving yourself direction as well. If it isn't provided to you from the rotation itself, that you're very smart. I, I promise you can do that to set some realistic goals for yourself for the rotation as well, so that you can show yourself that I did get something out of this. I think just be a sponge, right? Try to learn and identify everything you can from intricacies about the program, the residents, the attendings, to the culture, to learning emergency medicine. You're there not only for us to see how you are, but for you to see how we are and to identify if this is going to be a good match in the end. Well, Minnell, Kristen, and Jeff, we thank you so much for hopping on and being guests and contributors for this session of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. And don't forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. And if you'd like to learn more about their organization, including their resident student organization, you can visit acop.org today.